to I Love This Thing So Freaking Much, a podcast about passion. My name is Sophie Katz, and today I am joined by Megan, who is a writer. Welcome to the show, Megan. Thanks. Great to be here. Great to have you here. So here's how this works. Megan will have three minutes to talk about something that she loves. This can be a person, place, thing, concept, activity, anything she wants. Our only requirement is that she loves it wholeheartedly and wants to tell us why. Are you ready, Megan? I'm ready. Good. Got my timer here. Now, what do you love so freaking much? Today, I'm here to talk about how I love Internet League Blazeball, which is a browser-based video game developed by the Game Band. It just wrapped up its second era, and it's going to be on hiatus for a while. Essentially, Blazeball is like a fantasy baseball league where 24 teams play a season in a week and then a postseason on the weekend, with games at the beginning at the top of every hour. But it inhabits a sort of surreal, new, weird universe where um, players' names could be as normal as Eduardo Perez or as weird as Jalen Hotdog Fingers. Things happen like rogue umpires can sometimes incinerate players without warning. Angry gods might threaten the entire league. There could be negative runs or negative wins. And things get stranger and stranger the deeper you go in. And the special thing about Blazeball is the community. Each team has its own fans. They all interact and they all have to deal with the absurdities and terrors of the simulation together. They've banded together to do things like bring players back from the dead, um, execute strange plans of various types to try to fight the gods and defy the fates that have been imposed upon them. And there's been so much creativity where the limited amount of information we get from the game meets fan creativity. All interpretations of who players are and what their lives are like is down to fan creativity through the art and stories they create. There's a crew of um, amateur statisticians at the Society for Internet Blazeball Research who make sense of the chaos of the game. The Seattle Garages team has a band named after them that sprung up in real life and has released many albums by this point, all of which are wall-to-wall bangers. There's a fan-run merch site called Blazeball Cares that sells shirts, hats, and so on with team logos and raises money for charity by doing so and has contributed quite a lot of money to great causes. And people splurts cast the games on Twitch and in general sort of interact on the um, game's Discord, build community with each other. And it's sort of the perfect game for 2020 and 2021 because it's largely about being in the face of absurd forces and absurd circumstances over which you have only limited control, but banding together and finding community and trying to find your path through the absurdity together, come what may, which I think resonated with a lot of people, especially at a time when going to see real sports in person wasn't an option on this plane of existence. So um, kicking back and watching some surrealist nightmare splurts on the immaterial plane seemed like a pretty solid alternative. I'm a fan of the Houston Spies. We um, have not won a championship yet, but we've gotten very close many times. We're sneaky Go that ahead way. and finish your thought. And yeah, there was just an apocalypse and the second era of the game crashed down in fire and ruin yesterday. So we're going to be on hiatus for a while and then figure out what's next for the game together. That is amazing. Thank you so much for telling us about Blazeball today. My pleasure. It's a very difficult thing to try to explain, but I love trying. Oh my goodness. My, my eyebrows just kept going higher and higher on my face the more you talked and I was having so much fun. <laughs>
Excellent. How does the game itself work? Like, what is it like to play baseball? I mean, I know, I know it's fantasy baseball, so you're not actually like hitting a ball or something, but what are you actually doing when the game is going on? Right. So you'll see the schedule for the season. And at the top of every hour, you'll see um, like a little score box like you'd see when a baseball game is broadcast on TV with, you know, the bases and the number of strikes and outs. And players all have numbers of stars that determine their stats and various mechanical things that determine how it goes. So you'll just see text messages pop up on screen like, um, you know, London Simmons hits a double or Mike Townsend hits a grand slam or sometimes stranger things like Bennett Blue Sky uses a mind trick and the batter strikes out thinking. And so you'll see the scores go up or down as the case may be. You'll see winners declared. It usually takes about a half an hour to play a game. Um, it goes at a pretty snappy pace and you're just sort of seeing the names, little icons moving on the bases and a whole lot of storytelling manages to happen through that. So how did you first get interested in Blazeball? How did you first learn about it? I had been seeing sort of some out of context mentions of it on social media for a while and wondering what the heck was going on um, for a while. And eventually I started looking into it more deeply out of sheer curiosity. An author I know is actually a fan of the Houston Spies and shared some art of some of our favorite players, Fitzgerald Blackburn for one. And I was like, it was so cool that I was like, I have to know what this thing is and what the deal is. Um, the website Polygon did a write-up about Blazewell and why it was taking over the internet um, last summer. And it included a bunch of art and a lot about the fan community. And that was what really got me clicking like, oh, I think I understand what this thing is now and I want to know more about it. So talk a little more about the fan community aspect. Like definitely when you started explaining a blaze ball, that's where you first jumped to is what you were most excited about. So what's it like to be a fan? Yeah, it is a chaotic experience because we're all trying to make <laughs> sense of, you know, very rapidly paced absurd happenings together. But it's what's really special about it because like I mentioned before, the game itself has plenty of strange things going on, but it's a fairly minimalist framework. Like with most players, you'll just get a name and some stats and the most personality you'll get is players have a favorite coffee style listed and <laughs> a pregame ritual which could be as straightforward as yoga or as complicated as murdering a pitching machine from there and from the names players sort of collaboratively create lore as a team interpreting players in different ways there's a strong consensus that there is no canon and that you know, multiple different sort of universes and multiple different interpretations of the same player can be equally valid and can coexist with each other. But at the same time, sort of consensus storytelling and myth-making sort of emerges. Like um, a player named Richmond Harrison is usually portrayed as a giant axolotl um, <laughs> because that was sort of their tradition that caught on and stuck. And many people have drawn him that way. Um, Blaze Paul Cares is, I think, planning to make a plushie of him now. There's um, these different fan interpretations that emerge sometimes when players have the same last name, like Jessica Telephone and Sebastian Telephone. A narrative will emerge about how they're related and what their history with each other is like. And sometimes that feeds back into the game, like Jessica Telephone is a great example. She was one of the best batters in the game um, for a long time. And one of the sort of fan interpretations of her was that she had a phone-shaped bat named the Dial Tone. And then later that actually got added to the game as an actual item that she wielded that gave her some stat boosts. Huh. 
And when some plot things happened involving her, the game referenced some of the, the cheers that fans used for her. And things like that have happened from time to time where um, fan interpretations of characters have sort of filtered back into the game. And of course, a lot of the times those interpretations are influenced by things that happen in The Sims. So it's sort of this beautiful two-way street of creativity between the developers and the fans. Maybe the funniest example would be Tillman Henderson. The fan interpretation of him is usually that he's just the most annoying player in the game, just an absolute dirtbag. And <laughs> this is like one of the only things that's canon because two separate gods now have specifically gone out of their way to mention that they find Tillman annoying. All right. <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing. It sounds like the developers of this game were started out telling the very vague story just to inspire people. Intentional or not, it has inspired people to make the story even bigger than it ever could be. And I, I love the way you describe this interplay between the initial content, what the fans make of that content, and now what it is in its entirety. Exactly. And I think that's a huge part of it, that there's sort of space left for a lot of creative interpretation. I've heard it said before that some pieces of media don't have very active fan bases because they don't really leave as many gaps to fill in or audiences aren't really left wanting for something that sort of sparks that creative energy but here it's just you see what happens on the field but you don't know much about what players are like off of it but there's enough to sort of have a skeleton for myth making and interesting stories to be told and I think that's also a way in which it's sort of a mirror for the way sports work in the real world you know what you get are gameplays and scores and win-loss records but narratives sort of build around that of like, this team is a dynasty, this team is an underdog, and they're sort of finally getting the triumph they deserve. And so I think a lot of us nerds sort of ignore sports or look down our noses at them, but they're a huge part of the way human beings sort of spin stories out of thin air. And this sort of supercharges that process and Blaiseville lets us see it happen at like triple speed. Megan, thank you so much for telling us about something you love today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. If you would like to learn more about Blazeball or our guest, Megan, you can find her social media information in the episode description. And don't forget to use the hashtag LoveThisThingCast to tell us about the things you love. I Love This Thing So Freaking Much is a production of Through the Window Media. This episode was directed and edited by Sophie A. Katz. You can find us at Through the Window on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Tumblr. That is T-H-R-O-U, The Window, at all those social media sites. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and you'll hear from us again soon. 